0: Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and copying chip fabs. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 383. So a little bit of podcast news, I guess. Last week, I was on uh, Bill Hurd's and uh, uh, Bill Jordan's, uh, no, Ben Jordan's um Webcast is what they keep calling it. It was a podcast. Uh uh Coriolis Effect. And that was a lot of fun. Steven, you should totally like go on that, that webcast too when you have time.
1: I'm planning on reaching out to them. It sounds really fun.
0: Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to hang out with them and we talked about like design for manufacturability of like pen and paste. Like the or some origin stories from macrofab. Uh like inbound inspection of components. It was really weird. It kept just jumping around. It's it was a lot like this, our it's, podcast. Yeah, I was about to say, so it's like this. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's done on Friday at like one o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Um and then the other news is we we talk about our Slack channel, MacFed.com slash Slack, to join. Invites are open. Uh we are working on a new community site that's going to be more form-ish than chat based uh, based off there's like a software platform called discourse Um, so I'm looking at that right now Uh, that's probably what we're going to go with and just to be clear it's not getting rid of
1: chat it's just basically a new platform that will allow a lot of extra functionality that our slack channel doesn't have such as history and being able to capture projects and users being able to create their own topics and uh just a lot of extra features that makes the community more uh, or right right now our slack channel is just chat and it is just we chat, have what yeah. 90 days of history something like it's that it's actually
0: like 30 or something
1: yeah, it's like thirty. So you know, if you post something and you want to go back, or you saw something, uh, you lose it pretty quickly in our Slack channel right now. So we're looking at other alternatives that uh, could make this community uh, a little bit more robust.
0: Yeah, and and the great thing about uh, discourse is it's also uh, searchable by indexable by Google and other search engines. Uh, so that you know, if you that that's actually the my biggest problem with our current Slack community is. If it's old in 30 days, one, it goes away. But two, if someone's just Googling a question, like an engineering question, and we've answered it in our Slack channel, it won't, they won't see it at all. And so I'm hoping moving to this system, one, allows more people to join our community and get more information out of it, but also helps other people by just searching around for uh, you know, questions and stuff. It's kind of like a. It's kind of like a, a. discourse is kind of like a combination of Slack, Discord, uh, stock exchanges, kind of like. Um, and with your l- generic forums. With a little sprinkle of generic forums in there. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it does have a chat plugin, so we'll have like we'll have a. This is just chat, right? And then we'll yeah. have like threads and forms. And the great thing we'll be able, when we release a podcast, we'll be able to be like, Hey, discussion about this podcast will go into this thread for this episode. And so now the right. great thing is people listening to the back catalog can go, Oh, there was something I wanted to talk about for that. Well, you go into our Slack channel, it won't exist at all. Right. But now someone can go in and search for that link and then they can actually comment on that particular podcast episode.
1: Yeah. And and we actually get that almost weekly now where somebody will just post in Slack saying, Hey, back on episode 136, when you guys said X, Y, Z, here's blah, blah, blah. It's like, thanks. That's great. But it would be really awesome to have like a a place for that, those kinds of comments to live.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, with that done, we're going to, our topics this week are, or will be, uh, Autodesk dropping dedicated Eagle support. That's going to be a hot topic. It's already already sizzling up all the news out there. And then uh, we're going to talk about, there's a uh, ex-Samsung executive stealing tech to recreate a chip plant in China. That's kind of interesting. And then unconventional Father's Day gift ideas. And then if we get to it, box truck updates. Adventures in warranty work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So drop drop the bomb. What what has Autodesk done?
0: Okay. So an email came out last week from Autodesk uh, that by effective June 7th, 2026, so in three years and minus a week at this point, Uh, autodesk will no longer sell eagle as a standalone software platform and they won't renew subscriptions to it at all after that Um, and they mentioned that fusion 360 electronics is the path forward um and supposedly according to the email eagle files are fully compatible with fusion 360 electronics um funny enough i talked to Ben Jordan on the Corellis Effect last week and he was the head product dude that got Eagle into Fusion and we talked a little bit about this and uh, funny enough the first iteration of it was literally Eagle's code base was in Fusion yeah and just with a bunch of glue logic right yeah with a bunch of glue logic on top of it now it's definitely a lot farther along than that now (laughs) Um and he didn't mention he's like oh yeah if you're starting out just do a simple board and I'm like no I'm going to throw my like actually my the board I need to work on next is for Snacky the snack machine I need to build rev 2 of its uh controller board and so I was just going to throw the whole thing in there and he and basically the problem with it is with what well, with Fusion 360 electronics is there's apparently a performance gap between that and Eagle standalone. Hmm. I don't know how big of a performance, and also I have a pretty beastly machine, so it might not even matter. Um, but that's basically the where, where the rub is at, is there's a performance gap between identical boards in each, each system. Um, but I'm going to give it a shot. M- meaning, meaning that
1: standalone Eagle runs them a lot better, right?
0: Yes, supposedly. And I'm taking, you know, uh, Ben's uh, word at that.
1: (laughs) Well, and we had Ben on the podcast uh, episode 253, which was December of 2020. Yeah. And I remember very distinctly Ben was saying, like putting his hands up and like, we're not getting rid of Eagle with a little bit of
0: undertones of right now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, Ben doesn't even work there anymore. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So it, that could honestly be in a decision made after he left.
1: Right, right, right.
0: I mean, it, it, it's, I feel like it was fairly
1: obvious that they were doing the amoeba thing to Eagle where, you know, here's Eagle, it'll be on the side and then i um, nom num, They just, you know, yeah. consume it and it becomes part of their platform. And then at that point, why have like a standalone Eagle?
0: Oh, yeah, because you'd have to effectively have two different developer uh, set of developers working on each different product that were are doing the same thing. So it doesn't make sense. Um, I don't have a problem at all with Fusion and how it does things. Uh, Steven does the same thing. We're big supporters of Fusion. I know a lot of people can't get past the subscription model, but it that doesn't bother me at all um i honestly still think fusion is, it's like 70 bucks a month right now is honestly like the best deal in 3d cad software you can get
1: D- that okay that is the argument for all of this uh, so i'm a subscriber to fusion as well i actually do the the yearly thing cuz i just know i will use it so i just pay the yearly cuz it's a little bit cheaper and what you get for what you pay, I feel, is is absolutely incredible. I mean, you know, if you, say if you do it for a decade, you've paid enough to just purchase, you know, a comparable software. But but with with Fusion, what you get for that monthly payment or that yearly payment. Uh, I feel is you just you can't beat it, and then they stack a full Eda tool on it such that you have one environment to do your mechanical, your analysis, and your electrical i I to me that that Eagle is one of those ones that where a subscription service feels worth it to me where it's like yeah, I get what I'm what I'm going for because a lot of the plugins. If you look at those plugins, the the comparable plugins in other programs like thermal analysis and things like that, not that I'm doing that all the time, but if you look at those plugins and how much they cost in other programs, like just that alone is worth the money. Uh, So, the you know, uh, to be honest, for longtime listeners, they'll know that I've complained about Eagle. On more than one occasion, it's not necessarily my favorite, but just given how integrated Eagle is with Fusion, I have considered on more than one occasion, should I transfer over to Eagle just because I like Fusion that much, and then I have one design software that I pay for, and I get everything through it, and because of its integration, I get the, uh, I get I don't know the warm and fuzzies that my design is. Correct in a way because right now with everything I have to go through my own EDA tool export everything suck it into fusion and then double check it this the whole integration with Eagle where I can design a, a 3D element and then just move seamlessly over to my board work on it and then move backwards that feels really that alone feels worth going with the Fusion 360 option, even if they kept the standalone Eagle available. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly what Fusion or, not sorry, not Fusion, uh, Autodesk was going for, was yeah, sure, it's a subscription model, but you get the whole package all in one for a price that is, frankly, reasonable. Now, at the end of the day, if you, it depends on who you're paying attention to, in terms of who's screaming the loudest when it when it comes to these kinds of things. Because I've been doing some research on this, and there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of people who are upset that Eagle is going away. And I think a lot of that is due to the user base of Eagle uh, being complacent that there was a free option that was pretty good. Eagle had a free option for a long time that was great. And I think it brought in a very large user base that was willing to... Put up with eagle's eagleness uh, because it was free the thing is now there's the now KiCad is or KiCad is available and it's actually like stable and usable now so there's always been not I was sorry there's been a competitor in the eagle space for quite a while now yeah in and, that sense
0: and looking at it you can I think Autodesk because around 2017 was when Autodesk bought CadSoft uh, to incorporate Eagle. And around that time, that was when KeyCad was starting to get better and start to become yeah. like a mainstay for uh, hobbyists to actually design boards. And I think that was around the time like CERN... It wasn't was Enthusiast,
1: start- it was Daily Driver.
0: Yeah, CERN was uh, investing a lot of money into KiCad as well, and... I think what it was, I, what I see is Autodesk wants to push Eagle to be a, be more like the Altium, Altium level of product and not the KiCad level of product.
1: 100%. I absolutely agree. With
0: and you. I think Eagle has a ways to go there, but I think them acquiring CadSoft was a way to get them the head start on that. And also, like, before that, RDS didn't even have a EDA tool, so they didn't know how to design one. Mm-hmm. They've been doing two D software for design and then three D, uh, but not EDA.
1: Right, right. Well, and and I think your argument or your statement there about them wanting it to be an Altium level product is absolutely what they're going for. But they want it to be that level of product on a subscription service that also includes all this other stuff. That's why it's in mm-hmm. the family of fusion and not just the standalone Eagle. Correct,
0: yeah. Well, I think that's I think Autodesk is going to try to make one software that does everything that they do.
1: It seems like they're moving that direction.
0: Yeah. One ecosystem kind of thing. Um what's interesting is of the people you were mentioning, the people who are screaming the loudest about this, and it's actually well, my experience, what I've read and experience online, and in our Slack channel, is it's actually the key CAD users that are screaming the loudest—the people who don't even use the software. <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious, explain what you mean. Well, because everyone's just like, "Oh, move to KeyCAD now," and it's like, "No, that's not the that's not." Like, the people who are the Eagle users that are complaining about this mm-hmm. aren't saying, I need a new EDA tool now. They're complaining that they don't want to get rid of their standalone, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what they're complaining about. They're not saying, oh, I need to go find a new EDA tool now. And then, but the KiCad people are are honestly screaming into the void on Twitter and, and the like saying, uh, you know, try KiCad now. It's like, no, that's not the, that's not the point. Um, And I think it really, What really, I'm going to knock, knock the KiCad peg down a bit for these people is the, it honestly feels like KiCad is like a cult. Mm -hmm. The people who use that software.
1: Yeah. Okay. So KiCad now, at least, for, to me because I'm an outsider on both of those keycad and eagle I've used both of them uh in a hobbyist sense and a professional sense before, but it's they're not my daily driver, but I feel like keycad is what eagle was five ten years ago
0: yeah well it's it's and, and on that whole like it's a cult thing a while back a uh a other open source PCB EDA tool software was announced called Libre PCB. And we actually talked about on the podcast a while back. And the most interesting thing about when that was announced was not that, Oh, but like what the community should have done, like the community of electrical engineers and hobbyists and that kind of stuff, uh, building electronics. We should have been like, Oh, this is awesome. This is like new EDA tool, it's a competitor in this space, yada, yada, yada. What what actually it was, was tons of KiCad users shitting all over LibrePCB and saying, why aren't you using your development resources for KiCad? Hmm. That's all it was. Like, if you could go pull up, like, the Hackaday article, like, thread. And I think there was one on Hacker News, a thread about it, too. And it was just, everyone was just like dogpiling this guy that wanted to make his own EDA tool. Yeah,
1: Libre PCB actually looks quite a bit like Eagle and uh, <laughs> Keycat. It looks, it looks very similar, to be honest.
0: Um, I mean, on, if you peel back all the layers, all EDA tools are essentially the same.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, honestly, the the what 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 is fun about learning a new EDA tool is not that you get to learn a new tool. I'm I'm learning a new one right now. It's that I know what I need the tool to do. Like I know the like I even know the, the, the in you know the, the language. I know the path All I have to find now is like what are the clicks that I have to do? What's the buttons that I have to press? Oh, so no, and I I,
0: I take that back. You don't know the path, but you know your destination. Yeah, you
1: yeah, right, right, right. And you have to find the the path. And like I can explain it to people, and it's funny too, because like I'm I'm in in the same boat as a handful of people at work right now because we're all kind of there's people who are ahead of me in terms of learning it by a few months, but there's no one who's like the seasoned veteran and so like i'll pull up uh, you know I'll, I'll, I'll mention like hey i need to execute xyz and they'll be like well i know the tool could do that and i know what we're going for but how <laughs> it's 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 kind of fun uh yeah but so getting rid of eagle is i actually let, let's 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 preface this eagle has not gone away eagle yeah, still there. exists and 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 you know there's a hackaday article about this and i I've, I've read a handful of other articles and and that whole screaming into the void like parker was saying eagle is not going away it's not like the program is poof gone it does exist and the way fusion 360 integrated eagle in is they basically like you said they just took the code base and they plugged it into their own software and just gave Fancier overlay buttons that do the exact same tasks. In fact, when you launch Eagle in Fusion three hundred and sixty, it ends up looking the same, just with a slightly fresher coat of paint on mm-hmm. it. All of the all of your base functions are all there. Uh, so this the 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 screaming has to do with the standalone and it being slightly less expensive. Um,
0: the program is not going away. Correct, yeah. And talking about this, we were talking about the subscription model earlier, and I wonder how that's working out for Autodesk. Um, It's clear that the standalone, they're not going to work on anymore because they don't want to have split code bases. And I bet you the... Fusion 360 Electronics, as they call it, is probably divergent enough now from the original Eagle code base that that's why they've made that decision. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, because it's, it's probably a pain in, in the butt to keep supporting both forks.
0: Yeah, right? both forks. Um, but on the subscription model thing, like, I like it a lot. And this is why I like it, is I get... Cause before Autodesk had the had the subscription for Eagle, I had like a copy of Eagle 6 for like ever. And I couldn't upgrade or anything. Cause I one, I couldn't afford to upgrade. Like, cause it was like, you know, four or five grand to get a an Eagle 7 license, basically. Couldn't upgrade at all. And the moment they came out with the subscription service, I immediately signed up because I could afford it now. I could finally afford to get updates to this software <laughs> now it, it's 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 the same thing as like you know it's you're just paying it over time but at least it's not one big lump sum which actually makes it easy for a hobbyist like me to actually afford it you know i've i was reading
1: articles uh, i think this was mentioned a handful of times in the Hackaday article about this, but this this kind of idea that you don't own your software and you don't own your designs um, and it being too expensive for small business. The, 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 the main arguments in these articles I was reading was hobbyists and small businesses are the ones getting screwed in a sense uh, out of this. Now, something that's kind of important to note is that there is still like a personal free use version of Eagle and Fusion three hundred and sixty that still exists, so I think it is fairly limited. I think it's like a hundred millimeters by eighty millimeter board is the largest you can make, and um, two layers, maybe four, something like that. And uh, and with with the free version of Fusion three hundred and sixty, you can only have. I don't remember what the number is, but it's only like a certain number amount
0: of designs you can say.
1: Yeah, a certain number of designs, but uh, that's for for a hobbyist level. Okay, I can understand. There's there's a little bit of limit there because maybe you're a hobbyist that's trying to get involved in a bazillion different things, and that that can be difficult. Or, you know, maybe you just need to make a board that's really simple but bigger than a hundred by eighty millimeters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I get that. But when it comes to the small business thing, like is is $70 a month or you know $400 a year or whatever it is I don't remember is that too much of an ask for a small business and then you have to ask the question if that's too much of an ask for a small business how small are you that uh that that you can't you can't afford that and and I don't want to come off as like elitist or anything like that but uh eventually eventually you do need to upgrade and uh, and get on your feet. So, it, I don't know. Like, I don't see this as that huge of a problem. No, no. I can. Uh, if if I use DipTrace on a regular basis, if DipTrace pulled the rug out from under me, I would probably feel offended as well. You know. But um, but but at the end of the day, like, it really doesn't seem like that much of an ask, and you're gaining a lot. So one of the pros from from this is the fact that you get continuous improvement and support by being involved in this if you are a a subscriber to the subscription service you get these things and you get access to all the other tools that are available there so i don't want this to sound like a sales pitch for fusion 360 i'm just saying like these are extra things that you get with it Whereas with the cons, you know, sure, you don't necessarily own that tool. It's not something that you can fire up all the time. Uh, and, yeah, it might feel like your designs are being held hostage. But is that the biggest thing that you should be worried about if you're starting a new business? You know, I'm not sure that's what you should be putting your sweat equity into is worrying about those those things.
0: And if those things are worrisome to you, then go use KiCad. Right,
1: right. Until KiCad gets bought up by somebody, and then <laughs> and then I, you have to switch over to whatever else.
0: I don't know if that would ever happen, but that would be yeah, funny to think about.
1: Well, uh, you know, when I oh, first man. started getting into the game of finding an EDA tool, I, I started with Eagle, and it didn't ever seem like that was going to be the case.
0: Yeah, it would... The the, the the void screaming, if KiCad ever got bought by someone, would be... Yeah. I would have to, like, just, like, not go on Twitter for, like, a couple of weeks, probably.
1: <laughs> well, to be honest, I think this shift is actually really good for KiCad because KiCad has assumed the position of being the hacker-maker tool, tool of choice. Yeah. And now now there's, like, no other player anywhere near them how about free it was, pcb yeah uh, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> keycad seems keycad seems full fat in comparison to those, Yes. oh yeah you know, oh yeah
0: uh, uh, sure. and this is a good th- i yeah if anything keycad users should be happy that eagle is moving out of their space
1: yeah because for the longest time with the hacker maker community it was eagle and keycad were your options and it just depended on how like Open, which one did you click
0: on first when you googled? I need to build a board. What EDA tool should I use?
1: Actually, I would even argue like what Hackaday article did you go to that you were excited about, and then which EDA tool did they show in the pictures? And you went that way, or, you know? like, or which one was it? Did
0: you go to <laughs> Spark Fun first or Adafruit first? Because oh. Adafruit uses a lot of... Well, they only use KiCad. But I know back in the day, SparkFun used Eagle almost exclusively. Yep.
1: SparkFun provided all their own libraries and footprints and things like that for Eagle right on the product page. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what SparkFun... Does SparkFun still do that? And will they continue to do that?
0: I don't know. I don't know what... Spark, mm. I haven't been to SparkFun in... in the, the website in a long time
1: i have not either
0: i don't know if they you, have moved. I, i'm gonna bet you they've moved to Keycad. they've had to have
1: i don't know i and and you know i've lived here i've lived uh 30 40 minutes from SparkFun for almost five years now and i still haven't been up there they i think they have like a friday meet and greet or like and for a while i think they were doing like Maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I feel like they were doing pancakes on Friday
0: or something like that,
1: where you could stop by the lab and get pancakes and hang out.
0: I mean, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Like, I, why <laughs> have I not been? Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, this is a for a user of Eagle. And again, I haven't booted up Fusion 360 electronics yet but I do see this as finally like fusion is finally starting to, or Autodesk is finally actually going to be start using and and improving on the software. Um, That's their initiative here. And so I'm looking forward to it. And especially since like, for me, it doesn't cost me any more money. So that's also where I'm at with this. Like it still costs the same, right? Um, Now, Does that make, does an interesting thing to talk about that I didn't write down here is how, how does this impact open source designs? Because that's, that's interesting to think about is you don't see open source designs using, I mean, they probably exist, but using Altium or Cadence, it's Used to be, it was only KiCad and, and Eagle, where like those are like the two open source, uh, not open source EDA tools, but EDA tools you use to build open source designs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bet you, I bet you actually, since the move to subscription, that has even gone even more towards KiCad as the lion's share of that.
1: Oh, 100%. Well, I mean, just look at it. It. This is not a dig on anyone, but uh, the open source community tends to lean towards the hacker maker community, which tends to lean towards the this is not my job or not what I get paid for community, which tends to lead towards what's the free option that's available such that everyone can utilize it, which meant Eagle or KiCad and pretty much nowadays is going to mean KiCad. Mm hmm. So yeah, it's it's what which I okay. Here's the thing that's actually kind of cool about that. I think the community, as long as as long as the Eagle guys don't mind switching over to Keycat, there can be like an open source standard in a way. Like if you want to do open source projects, like just be prepared. It's
0: probably going to be Keycat.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's quite a bit be different. Translators, right? It's quite a bit different than open source software when you think about it, because open source software, you can use any IDE you ever want, right? I mean, as long as you I'm talking about like JavaScript or Python or C++, that kind of stuff, like you can use whatever you want, whatever IDE, you can use Visual Studio, you can use uh, Electron, uh, you can use a notepad editor, And then a command line to compile, like if you're doing C, like I did my first C sharp development with notepad and then compiling it on the command line. (laughs) It was terrible. Don't do that. (laughs) But you can. But you can. (laughs) Or like PyCharm or anything like that for that's, that's Python. I think actually PyCharm supports like lots of other languages now, but. Yeah, that's by uh, JetBrains. Um, so yeah, like, it, whereas for hardware, you're kind of stuck with whatever the original creator's EDA tool they decided to use. You're kind of stuck with that. God forbid that they use a nightly version of KiCad, though. <laughs> Don't use nightly versions, please, people. Use stable ones. Use stable release.
1: <laughs> what, what is Keycad? What is Keycad up to now? What what number are they at?
0: Seven. Point something.
1: Uh, seven point zero point five is the current stable release.
0: Oh, look at that! Your Autodesk renewal goes in tomorrow. <laughs> it has got email for it. <laughs> They're listening. Yeah, they're listening. Oh, cool! Anything else? Talk about Autodesk Keycad or Autodesk? Uh, Autodesk getting rid of Eagle standalone. I don't. I don't think so. Other
1: than I'm on Keycad's website right now, and apparently Keycon is coming up here soon. There's a European uh, Keycad convention hmm. in uh, that's happening in Spain. Yeah, that's cool
0: that's really cool oh. is there is there a uh an autodesk con auto con <laughs> autocon roll out i
1: wouldn't be surprised if eagle had people wanting to make a con but uh <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think so point keycad what do you do at a eda tool con (laughs) like do a bunch of people sit around making boards
0: i could see that i bet uh, or like uh to advanced tutorials maybe um maybe like a developer roadmap session yeah that'd be kind of cool uh
1: yeah you can i mean it sounds like there's Oh, let me look at the schedule here. I just want to see. Oh, okay, they, it's not fully set up yet. Okay, but ap- apparently there's there's talks and and things like that. That's cool. I yeah. mean, like it's just like any other con.
0: Yeah, I, I just imagine it's just like PCB design conference, except that they use KiCad as their EDA tool. And it mm-hmm. would be cool if there was also like what well, I said earlier. It's like a, a developer session. Or like you can see the roadmap of the tool you're using. That would be cool.
1: I would go to uh, go to one of these. I, I Honestly, I would go to one that's generic. If there was just like PCB con, that would be fun.
0: I bet you. I think that does exist. Does
1: it? Yeah. I got to look this up now.
0: I mean, there's a conference for almost everything out there.
1: Pennsylvania Certification Board. PCB
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's the wrong kind of PCB
1: okay Uh, yeah the largest conference and exhibition of printed circuit board design PCB West
0: 2023 Ooh. okay well yeah okay we can move on (laughs) okay Uh, so the next topic is the uh, ex-Samsung executive allegedly to have stolen tech to recreate chip plant in China And so this is like a an executive is being accused of stealing the plans of a chip fab, uh, a Samsung chip. fab. I think to make memory Um, and the plan was he was going to build a new fab like right down the street of the Samsung one in China. And, like, just make a copy, like, take a clone stamp and make a clone facility. Yeah, and when
1: you say right down the street, it was something like a mile and a half. Like, yeah. right down the street.
0: Yeah. And uh my question here with this is, I mean, there's not a lot of information because it's, like, in flux, you know, he said, they said like people suing each other kind of thing going on is what was the, like I'm imagining like something like the death star plans, right? Like something like building chips is so unbelievably complex and all the systems and equipment and everything's highly specialized. So actually cloning something exactly would be really like, would even like a detailed plan of a facility even get you all the information you would need to just make the chips you know that's a really interesting
1: point like let's say let's say you were just gifted a manufacturing facility but you have no idea what they made there and you walked in and you had to make what they did could you like how much effort would it take for you to figure it all
0: out yes and a good question would be like okay you walk into a chip fab you and every employee there has amnesia (laughs) and they had to figure out how to make this facility do whatever it was supposed to do
1: that's funny (laughs) i can i can tell you everywhere i've worked it would be hard
0: yeah yeah um but i'm just imagining like like you know, like the desk, like instead of like the death are rotating, it's like a chip fab rotating in a hologram. And they're like, there's the thermal exhaust port.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, th- so this, this person was caught. Yes. Uh, I suppose they're probably going to be spending some time in jail for, for this. Also, like, how do you, how do you request that how do you, do you just go to your secretary and be like, can you give me the plans for the whole facility?
0: Everything. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> uh. How many? Like all the knowledge, also required to like. Do you need all that too? All the process knowledge and all that documentation to also successfully clone a facility, like, yeah, just like. How much data would that be, like in size? A couple terabytes, maybe. I don't know.
1: No idea. How much would it be for if if you wanted to take a timestamp of all of MacroFab? How big would that be?
0: That's true too. It'd be gigantic, right? Yeah, much bigger than I would think of right now. It's probably. But I guess it also depends, though. It's like, what if, what if there was just if he cuz i think he was selling it or transferring it to like another fab like another company that competitor and so you, you, the competitor would already know how chips are manufactured but they might just need the secret sauce that samsung had and that might be the smaller piece that's easier to transfer you know and so maybe cloning or recreating the entire facility is not what you need, but you just need to copy that one part. That might be more, that's probably more of the truth of the matter with this story. Instead of just like actually cloning a a facility. Though cloning the facility is way more interesting to think about.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I wonder also like, how custom the facility is or if it's just like here's a list of our machines and if you buy them and set them up this way you get the factory or is it a lot more of custom design stuff
0: yeah yeah like is it more of the yeah custom design process flow uh what the what the secret Stuff in the washes are like the chemical formulas, or is it that just industry standard? I don't know too much about that level of, of a chip fab to say. I't bet you there's some proprietary stuff that is in probably there. well okay, so so as
1: as I guess a little bit of an example if if you gave me the list of machines that were in a manufacturing facility, an electronic manufacturing facility. I could buy them, hook them all up, and get them running in a similar capacity, right? Mm -hmm. There's not a lot custom about a pick-and-place reflow with conveyor system.
0: Yeah. Now, it's it's really how you program those. That's the secret sauce. Yep, yep. And so I bet you that's more what we're talking about here is Instead of cloning, it might have been, here's the list of our machines, and this is the secret sauce that we run on top of those machines, like the tooling and the actual process flow of how we move the product between all these machines. That's what's the most important part of it. Instead of just like this machine needs to be set up right here, exactly, 100 millimeters away from this door, that kind of stuff. Right,
1: right. Yeah. Well, like, if somebody came to me and was like, make me a macro fab, I would be like, well, I'll buy a my 200 and I'll buy a Heller oven <laughs> and, and those kind of things. But, like, I'd have no back end. I'd have none of the software that does yeah. any of it. Like, it just, it would be impossible. Yeah. Right?
0: Unless you literally had everything. Yeah. So I, I bet you that's more what it is which is not as exciting and cool but yeah anything else about i bet you he goes to jail <laughs> yeah, yeah i bet you he goes to and he's found guilty time. he goes to jail i want to know how much he was offered to do this too
1: i bet you he would probably owned a portion of it. So it might not have been offered. anything. Ah. He was probably going to spin off and like, Oh, there's this new chip facility, a mile and a half, well, down, the a half down the
0: road that I'm going to go work for. <laughs> yep. Yep.
1: I bet you it was one of those things.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next topic. Um, unconventional father's day gift ideas. So what do, what does an electronic engineer give their dad? Cause father's day is coming up. So what are you giving are your dad? you asking dad? me what I give my dad? I okay. I have to
1: admit, my dad is one of the most difficult people to buy for. And I think that's like going to be like
0: 90 percent of the people who listen to our podcast is going to say that.
1: I've tried lots of times in my life to buy my dad interesting stuff, and most of the time it ends up I, I end up defaulting to just getting him steaks, and he's happy. <laughs> like I just buy my dad meat. Like I learned that that works, you know? Oh yeah. And
0: I, it's I'm like, consumable. Like, okay, cool. so you can just repeat the action over and over again.
1: Yeah, I've gotten to the point where it's like, okay, this year I'll get him this cut. This other year I'll wow. get him a different cut kind of thing. Just like to figure it out. But to be honest, I would love to get my dad something, I don't know, better than that. Even though like he's
0: happy with it. Like he, he literally is like, oh, cool. Okay. Because <laughs> so, I get my dad tools yeah. mostly because... He has a lot of tools, but the problem is a lot of them are really worn out. Um, And usually I will go down to their house down in Galveston and need to go fix something. They're like, hey, Parker, come fix this one thing. And I'm like, okay, where's your socket wrench? And it's like half the sockets are like just worn out. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get him a socket set or whatever. So like the last one I did was last year was I got him a toolbox because... I would go down there, and I wouldn't know where any of the tools were at, because he had the tools spread out everywhere, in like, mm. like eight different drawers. They were all organized. You'd open the drawer, and everything's like perfectly laid out, but I would have to open up eight drawers to find the tool I'm looking for, <laughs> <laughs> and so I bought him a toolbox, so they all go organized into a toolbox, and so I'm like, okay, hey, if I need a tool, it's going to be in the toolbox now, and so I only have to go to like one place to go, and I only have to open up like Four drawers now, (laughs) as opposed to eight. Right, eight all spread out across the house.
1: So, okay, let me let me ask you something. This happens to me. I, I wonder if it happens to you. I have a standing tool chest. That I keep, you know, I have it organized in terms Uh of like, this is wrenches, this is screwdrivers, this is blah, blah, blah. But I still, every single time I go to it, I still don't remember which drawer has which thing in it. Like, most of the time I get it right, but I'll still sometimes have to open like two or three drawers and be like, oh yeah, that was the screwdriver drawer,
0: even though I've opened
1: it 4,000 times.
0: I only have, in my tool chest, I only have two drawers that are like that because they have similar items in them. It's like the oh, it's okay, like the yeah, yeah. weird, uh, small handle. So like has a, like an Allen wrenches in it. It's got like magnetic pickups. It's got uh snap ring plier, like a whole set of snap ring pliers. But it's got all those style of tools. And they're honestly the those two drawers should be split into like five drawers. <laughs> and so <laughs> I open up those two interchangeable old. I basically have to open up both of them to look for whatever tool I'm looking for in those drawers. But no, like. I know what tool drawer is like the wrench drawer. And then I have a socket drawer. And then I have like a, a drawer for like crimpers. Hmm. I have so many different kinds of crimpers. Yep. So, and like I started throwing in like uh, die sets and stuff in there too now. I need a bigger toolbox. My toolbox is like a third the size it needs to be.
1: Okay, I just I just had an idea. I'm, I'm really excited about this. I've actually wanted to do this for a very long time. A friend of mine and I, we discussed this gosh, it's a decade ago at this point. We wanted to do an 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 art show at a gallery to do this thing, but I don't know if anyone would ever even show up to a gallery for it. However, we just discussed earlier about getting a discourse and this would be perfect for it because this is the right crew, uh, crowd for it. I want to start a, a thread in the discourse where people just take pictures of their tool chest. Just take a picture of your tool chest and oh, post it in there. I want to have thousands of pictures of
0: people's tool chests. Uh, that would be amazing. Mine are the most organized chaos ever for toolboxes. Because, like, you'll pull pull open the socket drawer, okay? And I have organizers for all the sockets. And they're all in the right spot. And then all around it is just, like, all the crap that are socket-related that I don't have holders for. And they just (laughs) fill and mound up. (laughs) You open up the wrench drawer. I have organizers that hold all the wrenches in order. Largest to smallest. But then crap all around? And then... All the other wrenches I don't have holders for just get piled in the corner (laughs) in that drawer. (laughs) Love it. And then the worst offender, though, is my bolt drawer. I have a five-foot-wide, two-foot-deep, like, depth, six-inch down, I guess, drawer full of McMaster bags. It's like probably 150 pounds of loose hardware. (laughs) Probably more, (laughs) and I open that thing up and I'm like, "Well, I'm gonna throw this bag in there and shut that drawer and never, never think about it ever again." Until I'm like into the void, yeah. And then I'm so, and I use I use McMaster (laughs) as my inventory system. (laughs) I just go (laughs) look up the order. I'm like, I don't have any quarter twenty two inch long bolts. They and I go in look in McMaster, and it'll say, oh, you purchased this a couple years back, and you ordered, like, 50 of them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I bet you that's in that drawer somewhere. And then I open the drawer and rifle through it and throw them around, find the ones I'm looking for, and then slam the drawer back shut. <laughs> you want to keep drawers like that
1: open as short as possible, because yes. you,
0: like, you don't want to
1: think that they exist.
0: Right? Well, no, the problem is if you leave them open, they expand. And then the contents don't fit back in the drawer.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that would make okay. That would make a really awesome thread where people can just be like, "This is my tool chest," and we can all commiserate on how uh, beautiful or not beautiful your tool
0: chest is. Yeah, my mine are definitely like it. Like you know, how you, in D D, you have like the alignment chart. mine's lawful chaos
1: (laughs) I yeah 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 Uh, where does it where does that fits that's like the middle not the middle middle because like isn't it chaotic neutral is the that's the middle center yeah Yeah. no
0: no neutral neutral center neutral neutral okay because you have like you have like good neutral and then chaos and then you have Unlawful. I don't remember what the middle one is. I think the middle one is neutral, too. And then you have uh, lawful. So yeah, mine's like and, and lawful they, they say that, like,
1: true neutral, neutral characters don't really exist. No, they don't exist. Like, everyone ha- leans some direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all have a drawer somewhere that's chaotic evil,
0: right? <laughs> that's just Oh, like- chaotic evil. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mine's chaotic, like, lawful, good, chaotic... yeah because like yeah because like guess what i can open my drawer and pull out a half like a half inch uh socket uh in the right size in like 10 seconds it's all organized it's it's all the other stuff around it that is like a hurricane (laughs) of sockets like all these random sockets like crow's feet and like impact sockets and i do have one that i didn't know what it was for until recently and it's like an octagon shaped socket not going to say what it's for i you guess but i'm gonna post a picture for other people to guess the first thing that came to mind and this is probably wrong was just a spark plug uh socket now those are normal six-sided uh okay but there are special spark plug sockets that have, like, a rubber boot inside so that when you put it over the ceramic, it doesn't, like... You don't
1: beat up the ceramic. Beat up
0: the ceramic. Because the ceramic's really... Uh, fragile is not the right word. It's hard, but it cracks easily. It's brittle. Brittle. That That's, that's actually the best word for it.
1: <laughs> an, an eight-sided socket. I don't... Yeah, I don't know what that's
0: for. Yeah. It's really weird because it's, like, short and stubby, too. Um. So 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 my
1: socket drawer. Okay, I I have a little bit more chaos than yours. You said yours is is fairly organized. However, like all the margins are filled with crap, right? Mm-hmm. So my socket drawer, I've I've been very diligent about only sockets in there, but all the sockets are just thrown into it. <laughs> uh, I have I have two dividers, so it's three sections of sockets. Uh-huh. But those dividers don't mean anything. It still just no, sucks. doesn't mean
0: anything.
1: <laughs> however, however, I like I always know I need like a 10, 11, 12 millimeter. And that's almost always what I use. And so those are always in the same spot. So I'll open this drawer and there's like 80 sockets in there. But I always know where the three I need are. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never lose track of especially the 10.
0: Yeah. Especially. You, you got to
1: have it. The ten
0: is everything. And you can't, you can't also when you take it out of the drawer, you can't leave it, leave it, you can't let it leave your sights. Oh, it'll walk. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I, we've talked about this multiple times. I hate cleaning because as soon as I clean, I don't know where anything is.
0: <laughs> I can't wait to have enough shop space again where I can just actually have my drawers organized again. Like back when I first bought the toolbox, when I only had like the normal like shallow and deep sockets i didn't have all the specialty stuff that's what the problem is like the specialty stuff that's like you have one of like i have a i have a uh socket that's the size of a soda can that's got four fingers that poke off the end and it's only for like indexing inside of a hub on four by four vehicles it's called like a four by four like, like uh, wheel hub socket. Yeah, and where are you gonna put that? This goes in the corner in the socket drawer with all the other crap piled on top of it. I, I, I've I've talked to my father uh, a
1: handful of times about you know uh, his garage and, and tools, and he's like, you know, someday when I pass away, you you'll get to go through all of this stuff. He's like, but. A lot of my tools are specific to dirt bikes in the early 70s. And so he has, like, all of these, like, really (laughs) special tools, like, you know, bearing pullers and and all kinds of stuff like that. It's like a bearing
0: puller for a specific year
1: of a Honda exactly and, and on top of that like it it's like an it's an old tool where the box and the manual doesn't exist anymore so it's like he just has a cardboard box that you pull this thing out and he's he's really meticulous so it's like well packed and it and everything but at the same time it's still like this tool that i'm gonna have no, no idea, idea what it's yeah, for
0: no idea what it does yeah
1: yeah yeah that'll be fun
0: yeah you would be like it's a bear you would be like it's a bearing puller but to what <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and 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 the thing is too like gosh man, i don't want to talk about the mortality of my father but 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 the funny thing is like it could be a tool that's like to to somebody is worth like fifteen hundred dollars because it's that yeah. that one tool but for me it would be like oh it's a bearing puller it's it's worth five dollars like yeah, yeah. right.
0: <laughs> i like how this topic started at like father day and t- now we're talking about like the death of your father yeah, <laughs> my, it's gonna be the same thing when um when my grandparents passed, I had I had to watch my dad go, go th- and help my dad go through all his parents' stuff. Yeah, and it's my, what well, my the my the lesson my dad took away from that was he was like, Parker, when I die, I don't want to leave you with that much junk to go through. Mm, yeah 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 because it was it was ridiculous how much stuff there was and uh i'm hope i'm hoping to be the same way like like when you're dead you don't have need for any of your stuff right so <laughs> um it's like when you you watch like american pickers and stuff and like 90 percent of the of the places those those two go uh to pick the items for their store or they go to hoarder places right yeah. and there'll be like an 80 year old dude sitting on the porch and he won't sell anything because he's going to get to that project someday mm-hmm. and they yeah. have like enough project stuff to last eight people's lifetimes and they're yep. 80 years old <laughs> and i I don't, I don't want to get that way with cars. Like I love cars. I want a lot of cars, but I, I've been pretty good about it, about not buying something and just let it sit forever and be like, I'm buying it. Cause I'll get to it. I don't want to, I don't want that to happen to me. Yeah. Um, I don't want just to buy parts and be like, I'll get to it someday. Cause you'll never get to it. You'll some other shiny project will gra- will grab your attention. And you'll never get to that other project. The,
1: the, there's there's certain things that I think are worth being a little bit hoardery about, and and like your bolt drawer, I think is a is a good example of that. Like that's oh yeah. that's good because that's 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 helpful. But it but like a bolt itself is not a project. It's a it's a piece of the puzzle, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And like I, I'm working on my CNC electronics cabinet right now, and I was like, do I need to buy wire for this? And I was, I was about to go buy a bunch of different varieties of wire so I could get everything. And then I stopped myself and I was like, have you looked around and just seen what wire you have? And I did some inventory. And I have more than enough wire to probably do two cabinets worth.
0: Like, I didn't need to buy <laughs> yeah, more. Yeah. Because
1: I've hoarded wire for the last decade and a half. And it's like, okay, you just need to calm down.
0: <laughs> yeah, the uh, I actually have a box So at the end of a project, I go through all the wire because you always have those cutoffs, right? Yeah. And I go through the cutoffs and I basically, I'm like, if it's longer than eight inches, I keep it. If it's under eight inches, I just toss it, put it in the the trash can or the recycle. And and I have a cardboard box that says wire on it and I put it in there. And that's actually when I start a new project, the first thing I do is I pull that box and go, do I have wire in here that I can use for this project to wire it? Yeah. And that box stays at about 70% full. It fluctuates. <laughs> it hovers. Yeah, it hovers. <laughs> it's actually been going well, down a lot since I've been wiring the box truck. <laughs> hey, that's a good thing. Yeah. Like, I use a lot of, because I had a bunch of like 12 gauge red and black insulated wire in there. I use like almost all of Bunch it so of, far. A lot of off cuts. Yeah.
1: I think one of, one of my favorite things is when I'm done soldering a big board. Like I've got all the parts on it and I I remove it from my desk and then I just take a little broom and I scrape off all the solder shavings, all the little wire clippings, all the legs of components and stuff and clean the desk. There's nothing better than hearing that all just going in the trash and like your bench is like back to being clean. Oh, it's great. such a good feeling
0: yeah well we won't get to the box truck this week because we're already like an hour plus in now it'll be next week okay next week sounds good Yeah. so that was the MacReb Engineering Podcast we're your hosts Sparky Dillman and Stephen Craig later everyone take it easy Thank you, yes you are a listener for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Steve and I know. Tweet us at MacFab at Longhorn Engineer or at analog ENG or email us at podcast at macfab.com. Also check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack.